Welcome to episode number one of Fueling Success, an athlete story, where we talk with Division I and professional athletes about their stories and what they did to get to that level. For the inaugural episode, I want to bring on a special guest who is not only a Division I softball player at Ball State University, but she also happens to do incredible work as my intern here at Full Circle Sports Nutrition, Caitlin Matthews. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Hi, thank you, Derek. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for that really nice intro. So I'm excited. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Okay. So yeah, my name is Caitlin. Um, I grew up in Paris, Illinois. Um, it's just a little town in South central Illinois. It's not by Chicago. That's what everyone always asks first, but <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up with uh, my family close by and they were there for every moment and I'm just so blessed to have them and I literally owe literally everything to them. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Paris, went to Paris high school. I graduated in 2020. So the COVID year or I, I fake graduated in 2020. So um, <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So anyway, now, like you said, I go to Ball State University. I'm a third year, so a junior and I play softball here. Uh, I'm an outfielder. Um, bat left-handed and throw right-handed. Um, and I'm also a pre-dietetics major with a minor in public health. So yeah. And then when I'm not playing softball, I like to, you know, just read. I like to cook and bake, go to coffee shops, hang out with my roommates and teammates. And yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> so graduating in 2020. So starting that, do you get the COVID year for, for softball or no? actually don't. So yeah, the, the age above me gets a COVID year, but my class just missed it. So. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know, I think it varies by season, right? Cause I know like Mm -hmm. football players that played in the fall of 2020 Mm -hmm. and I think even basketball players that year, they got a COVID year, I believe. Right. Yeah. Winter and fall sports, I believe I'll have one and then spring, um, we don't. So. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So that makes, that makes more sense then. Okay, cool. So yeah, tell me a little bit. When did you start? Like what age did you start playing softball at? Uh, Well, I started playing softball. I started playing, you know, T-ball and rec league when I was probably like (laughs) four or five and then travel softball when I was six. Um, I played for a 10 and under team and I was just like this tiny little thing and everyone was like 10 and 11 and just they looked so huge to me and um, yeah I did my best I was a little runt on the team but um, so yeah ever since then I've grown up playing travel softball and school softball so I think that makes like 15 years of playing so hey, wait so how old are you again when you did the you 10 and you 11? I was six yeah. on the team it was right okay. before I yeah. seven, so. <laughs> right, okay, so you're one of, yeah. I, you hear that a lot, and, like, it's interesting. With a lot of pro athletes, even D1 athletes, you hear about that as far uh-huh. as, like, they all played up a level. Um, uh-huh. Now, was that just because, like, you were too good at six years or older to play? Honestly, it was just, I guess I was, like, kind of just, at that point, it's not even about skill. Like, it's just about having athleticism at that age, like, yeah. you know. So I was, like, I guess I was just, a, like, pretty athletic and able to kind of keep up with the, older girls and it wasn't even like my family was never like oh like she's gonna play in college like at that age like it was never that serious it was just something fun and so yeah I just played up with that at age level because well also because they were the only um that was the only age level in my town so that's just oh who I okay <laughs> yeah because yeah. you hear about that a lot like um so there's a soccer player Josie Altador and 
I think it was mm-hmm. when he was five years old, he was forced to play with the eight-year-olds and mm-hmm. like forced because the parents of the other five-year-olds were complaining because I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he, he's a strong mm-hmm. dude and he was just mm-hmm. big from the get-go and the other five-year-old parents were like, no, like he's not playing with our kids. So he oh. had to play with the eight-year-old. So, but you see yeah. that, you always see these players like playing up at age and you think it's a disadvantage because you're smaller, but it obviously mm-hmm. helped you in the long run. To, yeah, yeah. To play at that level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so obviously it sounds like from a young age, you knew softball was your sport. Did you mm-hmm. play any other sports growing up? Yeah. So I did, actually, I was in gymnastics before I ever even played softball. So I okay. was in gymnastics and I was like four, I believe. And I really enjoyed that. I, um, I would say I was mainly focused on gymnastics until, kind of the typical age when most girls kind of stop doing it like right before puberty like it, it's <laughs> just moving your body in that way gets so much harder for a lot of girls so I quit and focus on other sports but so yeah it was gymnastics until I got to middle school gymnastics and softball and then in middle school I played um, volleyball and then I did cheerleading and then softball and then I did track in middle school and then I got to high school and it was just volleyball. Um, softball and cheerleading then I quit volleyball and joined tennis so ultimately in high school it was tennis softball and cheerleading <laughs> okay so you did so you did a lot of sports in high school and then did you those all three of those throughout senior year did you ever at one point just be like softball's it no yeah I did all of them throughout um all of them throughout throughout all of high school and I knew that I wanted to play softball in college from a pretty young age so that was always my main sport but I just really love doing all the other sports too, like cheerleading. I absolutely, I did like competitive cheerleading and okay. I love that so much. That's the hardest sport I've ever done. It's harder than softball. <laughs> <laughs> I really miss it. But, um, and then tennis, that was just kind of like my fun sport. Tennis was so, tennis. Okay. um, yeah. All right. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you always see both sides of it, right? Like some people are like, no, you should focus on this sport. If you want to mm-hmm. go to college, where that's where focus on that because you got to play year round whereas mm-hmm. other people are like no one you're a kid have fun play as mm-hmm. many sports as possible enjoy it um and also you know sometimes playing other sports can help with that like did you find that tennis or even cheerleading helped you as a softball player oh definitely yeah i tennis i think it definitely helps with agility and like that hand-eye coordination that is so important and um cheerleading it just it gave me a lot of, I feel like emotional preparation because sometimes I'll be at hard practices and I'm like, you know, this is hard, but like doing a full out cheer routine, it would be harder than this. Like, and it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's emotionally and mentally really hard. And, um, I think a lot of people just, they just don't realize how challenging it is, but yeah, I really enjoyed my time cheering. So. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting what you said about tennis too, because you would think it's oh, it's similar. You're hitting a ball, but mm-hmm. tennis is more restraint. Like I remember when I was a kid, because I played baseball uh, when I was younger, and my grandpa was teaching me tennis, and I was like eight, nine years old, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just trying to hit the ball as hard as I could. Like, oh, I was yeah. trying to, I was trying to hit it over the fence behind the court, and I'm like, he's like, no, this isn't baseball. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, it's- my backhand, like I'm left-handed, so my backhand, I would just swing, and my coach is like you're not swinging a bat. You have to calm down. Cause I've been like swinging the racket. Like I was swinging a softball bat. So that took some adjustment, but. Yeah. So that's actually an interesting question I have. Cause yeah. Cause you said you throw righty, but you hit lefty. Now mm-hmm. is that just 
you started playing softball and you just started hitting lefty or was it, Hey, I'm fast. Let's become a slap hitter. Yeah, that's what happened. So that's kind of a common thing that happens with like the faster girls. So I hit right-handed until I was about 11 and then I decided to switch to left handed. So I thought I could slap more and I kind of grew out of it. And I would say by the time I hit like age 13, 14, I just completely didn't slap anymore. And I was just hitting uh, left-handed. So yeah. But then actually it's funny because I get to college and I'm only a left-handed hitter, like slapping not in my regimen. Like I'm not even thinking about it. And at the end of my end of the year meeting, my freshman year, my coach was like, you know, I really would like you to pick up slapping just to have it in your back pocket. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't slapped since I was 11. So I had to relearn that, but now I'm a slapper and hitter again. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> there are a lot of bizarre things about that. Like one, just, oh, hey, let's just pick up slap hitting at this one point. <laughs> and the fact that like you're 11, like 11 not, I mean, it's young, but it's not young. And right. you're just like, hey, I'm going to switch sides of the plate. Like you're already in puberty, like you're, you're grown or growing mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to switch sides. And as bizarre as that that's so bizarre and what it really shows is just the incredible talent that you need to play at a high level right like mm-hmm. obviously you work incredibly hard to become a d1 softball player but you had this talent all like i would say you had this talent all along but you had this potential yeah. all along it was there mm-hmm. right switching from left ready to lefty just on a whim at yeah. 11 years old it takes a lot of skill so that's that's really mm-hmm. impressive out there um and it shows versatility so no, that that's actually that's really cool that you can just swap like that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's good. Yeah. And you actually know we asked that. Yeah. So obviously playing a lot of sports, you were very very busy. I'm sure because you had mm-hmm. tennis, you had cheerleading, softball was year round, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so obviously very good time management. Um, I can see that. You know, with you doing work for me on top of. <laughs> being a full-time yeah. student in a science major plus a D1 athlete, mm-hmm. yet you still find time to, you know, do the work that I need you to do. Um, your time management is impeccable. And I'm sure you <laughs> learned that from a young age, but I think a lot of listeners here, a lot of the young listeners really could benefit from hearing about that. Like, cause I think mm-hmm. that's a skill that they need to have. So is there anything you could talk to that? Like maybe, you know, any tricks you have with that time management or just what you did to help? Yeah, definitely. So I would say the biggest trick is not not falling victim to thinking that you have no time because the thing is you do. Like I know that athletes are very busy and um we have a bunch of activities, a bunch of school going on, but except for certain exceptions, like you just you do have time. It's about priorities. And something that I always like to say is if you look at your screen time, like you have time, like you probably are spending a few hours on your phone, you know, and you could have taken that time to, you know, get half of an assignment done or, you know, prep your lunch for tomorrow because you know, you won't have time to eat lunch between class and practice. It's just, you know, it just kind of goes into like one of my main philosophies is like, just take life by the reins. Like don't let it control you because if you take control of your time and use your time to your advantage, you know, that's, that's really the trick. It's just don't fall victim. Don't make excuses for yourself is my, you know, biggest advice. You time block at all. You kind of just be like, Hey, I have a few minutes here. Let me get this done. Yeah. I, so I kind of try to go like, um, try to stick to kind of a time block routine sort of. So um, 
in the morning, if I um, have some time before class, I'll maybe sit down and get some stuff done. And then before practice, I will too. But it's it's kind of like hit or miss. Like the routine's a little bit different every day. But once I'm home from practice, during the evening, I do try to like really get in some time. So I'll try to stick to like an hour for studying him. And then I'll put in an hour of doing a graphic for you or doing, um, you know, some kind of work for you. So I'll stick just kind of a time blocking routine, but mainly it's just making a list of the most important things you need to get done soonest and then like kind of down the priority list. So, you know, mm-hmm. the things you really need to focus on and then down to the things that can kind of wait. So mm-hmm. yeah, the full circle nutrition stuff's at the bottom right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Sometimes. no, yeah, no. But I haven't talked like with you, other interns I've had in the past, I would say, you know, your school comes first, right? And I even yeah. said like when you have finals, right? Don't don't mm-hmm. do any work for me that week. Do, go yeah. do finals, right? Like, you know, you got to prioritize that stuff. And that, that's what it comes down to is I think the prioritizing instead of looking at, oh, I have all this stuff to do. Now, what, mm-hmm. what's important? What do I need to do today? What can mm-hmm. get done later? Um, like, I was really impressed when you sent me the the what I do in a day video for me to post. And yeah. you had you had two work. You had a lift in the morning. You had practice in the afternoon. Plus, you went before practice to do extra work. It's, it was just mm-hmm. defensive practice. So you did that. Plus, you had classes plus a lab. You cooked your meals, you went to the store and then somehow still like had time to like fold laundry or something like that. I have <laughs> yeah. laundry that takes like two weeks to fold, right? Like it's just incredible. Like, it, it, and you see this with a lot of D1 athletes and it just shows that, right? To become a D1 athlete, it's not just skill and hard work. There is a lot of maturity yeah. that comes into play. And I see that. I see a lot of athletes fizzle out and even athletes that message me, whether they email me or DM me. Um, and like, oh, I really want to play at this level or, you know, this and that. And I can kind of tell from that message how serious they are about it, how, or if they really have a good shot, you know, even mm-hmm. without looking at them play, because if they're not putting thought into a message, right. Or if they're just, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like it's, you could tell they're just not really serious about it. Whereas I'll get DMs. It's hi, Derek. My name is this. I'm a, I play this for this age. I'm looking for help with this very clear cut, very organized in a message. Right. And I can tell the, those athletes are going somewhere because yeah. they understand it. They're mature. They're responsible. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's everyone thinks I'm a great football player. I'm going places or I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm going places. No, there's, there's more to it for sure. Um, yeah. So kind of something else I want to ask now, this is mm-hmm. going to be unique because you're also a dietetics major, but mm-hmm. so you probably thought about this a little bit more, but what is something from a nutrition standpoint that you've learned as a D1 athlete? that you wish you maybe had known or that you've done when you were a younger athlete? Oh gosh, there's, there's a lot, but um, (laughs) it it somewhat relates to nutrition, somewhat doesn't, but I guess like what you look like is, does not what make, is not what makes you a good athlete. Like I was so focused on, you know, I have to look the part, like I, you know, I've got to be shredded. I've got to, you know, run and lift and like eat right so that I can, you know, I have to look athletic and look strong. And that is just not what being an athlete is about. And it's not what makes you a good performer. And it took me a while to learn that. Um, I would say going into college was definitely um, a rocky time with my relationship with food. And I thought, but I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, like, I feel like a lot of female athletes go through this, like, being restrictive and um, not under fueling, but they think it's, you know, the right thing to do because like everyone always 
idolizes losing weight and looking shredded and whatnot. But um, once I finally realized that, you know, fueling yourself properly, and once I started to eat more, I I saw an automatic um, correlation in my performance, like, and I just felt so much better. And um, I, I just wish that I could tell not only my younger self, but other female athletes everywhere that it is not about how you look it. It just, it's so much more than that. And it's not even the female athletes actually. Um, right. You know, it's, yeah. I, I keep right. saying no, no, female. No, 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 no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Every, well, any athlete. The <laughs> yeah. The stereotype used to be that it was just like only female athletes care about how they look. And that's kind of yeah. what it, cause that's what it used to be, but more and more now because of social media, mm-hmm. because of bodybuilding, having such a good, mm-hmm. a big presence, it's affecting male athletes more yeah. now than it was, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was a little bit less, right? Like, you know, when I played, I was, I was concerned about body image because I was super skinny and like, I just wanted to get yeah. bigger more than anything. And now more and more, it's, I want to look ripped or okay, like, how do I'm a soccer player? How do I get a six pack? And that's it. Mm-hmm. It's, they, Cause they think that that it's not because they want a six pack to look good. It's that they think they need that six pack in order to be a great soccer player um and it's it, so it's a really big message right there because a lot of young athletes need to understand that that yeah you don't need to look a certain way and yes a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of high level athletes look great and they look like and they're in great shape and they might have six pack and might be ripped but they did not train for that or eat to get that six pack it's a byproduct of all their hard work and genetics um, so it right. come, it, it can happen as a result, but when you strive for that, if you strive for certain body fat percentage, that's when you start to fail. So that's a great message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you start to eat more and just not care so much about how you look mm-hmm. more so eat for your performance, that's when you became a better athlete. Mm-hmm. That's And then another really note important. on top of that, I just want to say is yeah. comparing yourself to others. Like you talked yeah. about, you know, um, seeing the athletes who do have the six packs and are shredded or whatever. And their appearance did not tell the full story. Like they could be under fueling, getting injured all the time. They could feel terrible at practice because they're not eating enough. Like it's just, there's so much that we don't know and you just can't base everything off of looks and compare yourself. That's just something else I've learned. Big time. Yeah. It's, you know, you, I get that a lot with athletes. Like, um, and this actually is really more common with the female athletes, but it'd be like, Oh, like this girl on my team, you know, she's super skinny and like she says she doesn't mm-hmm. eat all day but she seems to be performing well or you know h- how come like how come i can't if i eat like that i lose my period and i get injured and mm-hmm. again you don't know the full story you, she might be playing through an injury the other girl right you right. don't know maybe she says she's not eating all day and then she's binging at night um mm-hmm. exactly. and she does all this stuff maybe she's lying about how much she eats right like you don't know the picture and again everyone is different and that's mm-hmm. the important part is yeah you're right don't compare yourself to others just um yeah, be be healthy, focus on yourself, which um, actually brings up another good question. Now, we talk about underfueling and underfueling can cause injuries. Have you ever had any significant injury either throughout high school or college? Um, so I've been pretty lucky so far, knock on wood. I haven't had any super big injuries. I would say my biggest injury is a result of underfueling my freshman year. So my freshman year when we came in, um, it was right off of the right off of lockdown and COVID. And I was just right. constantly working out constantly under eating and thinking it was what I needed to be doing. You know, I've told the story, but anyway, so before Christmas break, um, 
I actually hurt my back pretty bad while we were um, maxing out on front squat. And I, I still don't really know exactly what happened. It just, I don't know if I threw something out, but anyway, I went to PT and, you know, chiropractors and doctors and everything. And I, I worked on my uh, core, st- core stability a lot and, you know, kind of strengthened it. But the thing that really stuck out to me about this injury, like looking back now, um, I know that the reason is one of the reasons is that I was overtraining and not eating enough. And I was lifting weight that was just too simply too heavy for me. I didn't have yeah. core strength. I didn't have the muscle strength to, you know. So anyway, I got through that injury. But what sticks out to me is um, no one really ever mentioned anything about, you know, like under fueling or not fueling properly, which I expect because, you know, that's not their specialty. But it just goes to show how important sports dietitians like can be for, you know, sports programs and how important sports nutrition is for your performance. Like it's just another scenario that makes me realize how important it can be. Yeah, for sure. So because you never missed any like long playing time or anything like that, right? Um, I missed like the very end of um, the, of that semester, but nothing where I needed to go through a long recovery and miss a lot okay. of games. So I'm good, really lucky good, yeah. for that. <laughs> That's very fortunate because um, I know a lot of athletes suffer with these injuries and sometimes they're, yeah. you know, you can't prevent them. And sometimes they are preventable with proper training and proper nutrition. And it sucks. And it's just a huge mental battle to recover from that. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's really good there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, just a couple other questions I have for you, right? Um, mm-hmm. If there's, we kind of, I mean, kind of touched on this already, but if there's one piece of non-nutrition advice that you could give to a high school athlete, what would it be? Your life doesn't have to be your sport. And of course your sport is a big part of your life, but my teammate was actually talking about this the other day at the end of practice. And it just really stuck with me. And I've been thinking of it a lot lately, but she was like, softball is so full of failure. And, um, you know, you get, if you get a hit three out of 10 times in softball, like it's considered amazing. So anyway, but it's a sport where you're expected to fail. So a lot of times we can really get down on ourselves and say, we have a bad practice. It's, it's kind of hard to recover from that. You just kind of feel like you're a failure, you know, like, Oh, this is like why I'm at school. Like this is, you know, such a big part of my life and I can't even do it right. And you just get really caught up in it. But she was saying that we all have such beautiful lives and we're, we've all done amazing things with our lives that doesn't involve softball at all. So that's just something everyone should remember that there's just so much more and so many more beautiful parts of life that doesn't have to do with your sport. And, you know, you can focus on it, but just focus on the bigger picture in the end, I would say. Yeah. No, that's great. It's, that's really a good point because we always, we look at athletes, you know, obviously as a pro athlete, you know, it's your job. So it kind of is your life, but still it shouldn't be. And especially yeah. as a college athlete, it's, it, it's not your job. It, it feels like it, but it's, it's not, you have so much else going on mm-hmm. and it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in it. And when you look at the more, I guess, televised sports, right. So when you look at even like, especially like college football, college basketball, like these kids are in the media, everyone's tweeting about them, posting things, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they mess up in a game and they're talking about it. And it's, it's mm-hmm. hard to not make the sport your life there um, because it's, it's all around you. And that's, that's really important, right? It's, it's separating it. And I remember one time um, there was a, it was like Super Bowl like several years, like over 10 years ago. And it's the Giants beat Patriots. So I say, remember that. Um, <laughs> and later that night, there was like a video of, I think it was Gronk, like dancing at a club. 
like he was like happy, like almost looked like he was celebrating. Everyone's like, just lost Super Bowl. How are you like dancing and happy and all that? And other people stepped in and they were like, it's just a game. Yeah, it's a huge game. It's the Super Bowl. Everyone's watching it. But at the end of the day, it's that's not his whole life. Like he's a football player on the field. Let him go live a life. Like I'm sure he was upset. I'm sure he was sad, but like let him live life. Right. And that's the idea is we always, we expect players like after you lose or if you you strike out three times in a game, we expect you to just cry all night and until the next game. Right. No, that's not what you're going to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's a really valuable lesson because I think young athletes also have so much pressure on them now because, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with recruiting starting freshman, sophomore year of, Mm -hmm. of high school, you know, you're, if you have one bad game at a tournament, you're like, Oh my God, my life is over. Um, but it's not, and you're going to yeah. bounce back. So I think that's, that's good. Um, and actually you answered one of the next questions I was going to have, which is a valuable lesson that your sport has taught you about life. And you kind of talk about that, right. In softball and mm-hmm. softball and baseball, right. You are expected to fail 70% of the time, or if you fail 70% of the time, yeah. you're great. And I think that's a great life lesson. And, right. and that's what sports can teach us, right, is you're not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You're going to mess up. And, you know, you could go one for four in a game, but that one hit could be a walk-off double. Right. And that's yeah. what you're going to remember, right? And that's the point about life is you could have a horrible day, but there's probably at least one positive thing you can focus on, right? right. Maybe, maybe your day sucked, but you made a really nice dinner. I don't know. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> focusing on yeah, focusing on that. So no, that's that's really helpful because I think again, a lot of athletes they focus too much on their sport, which, which again, which is is good. It's good that you're dedicated, good that you're focused, but yeah, you need to enjoy life as well, especially yeah. as a young athlete, because it it can consume you. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you you might have friends, you might have seen people like this that they work so hard all their lives to become a D1 athlete. And then a year or two in, year or two in they, they give up because mm-hmm. they just can't. They, not that, I don't want to say they can't handle the pressure anymore because that's not fair to say, but it's mm-hmm. the, they realize they just don't enjoy it anymore. Right? Yeah. Like, do you when know you, anyone? When you, oh yeah, definitely. A lot of, there's a lot of um, athletes that I know who they just, they let it define them and it causes burnout really quickly because when your whole oh, yeah. life revolves around that, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to focus on the things that in the end really matter. Like, of course your sport matters, but you know, in the bigger picture, there's just more important things. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good, really good lesson. Um, okay. So a um, couple unique questions I have for you, because again, mm-hmm. you're in a unique situation where you are a D1 athlete who's also studying dietetics so it's you know not a lot of dietetic majors out there obviously not a lot of d1 athletes out there so very unique so i think you have some more unique insight you could provide so first off what made you want to major in dietetics in the first place and did you actually decide that before college uh no i didn't decide it before college so um it's very common (laughs) yeah i know it kind of kind of goes along with my story from earlier where i was um obsessed with working out and eating and everything and um, so when I was in this phase of my life, I went into college, um, not really knowing what I wanted to do, but I was leaning towards speech pathology, speech okay. pathology, um, because I wanted to work with kids like at a school. Um, cause I just really 
I don't know, I just loved school all throughout my life. And I just like thought I wanted to continue working in a school and I didn't want to be a teacher. So I learned about speech path and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I studied that for a semester. And once I kind of started to realize the role that, um, you know, nutrition played on, you know, just my life and my performance and how much it improved um, those aspects, I really wanted to pass along the things that I learned to other athletes and just people in general. So I was kind of skeptical actually to change it literally because of chemistry, like because of <laughs> chemistry classes. Like I was like, I was like, oh, this is my true calling, but biochem. <laughs> so like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was, it took a while to decide, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to push through it. I'm going to figure it out. Like, I feel like this is what I was meant to do. So yeah. So, um, so freshman year going into the second semester, I switched to nutrition and dietetics. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was anyway. So I, I decided my senior year of high school. So I applied mm-hmm. to college as a statistics major. And then, so I did have to change my major once I got there, but like, like on paper, but I knew yeah. going in like four step on campus, I knew I was going to be a dietetics major, mm-hmm. but I was the same way. Right. I like, I, you know, I wanted to do something in nutrition. A sign between mm-hmm. kinesiology and dietetics. And I'm like, you know, I think dietetics can open up more options. And I looked at the course load. I was not expecting. I'm like, oh, nutrition. You're just learning about food right. and how it works in the body. Like, and that, the problem is that's what everyone else thinks, which is why they don't Absolutely. understand the complexity yeah. of being a registered dietitian. But yeah, I looked at it. I'm like, God, these bio classes, orgo, like I've never heard of this before. Biochem, like <laughs> I, um, I, I wasn't, a, I wasn't that great at science in high school, right? Like bio was, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't, I was like a B student in biology, like didn't do honors or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I got A's in chem, but only because of the math, like, cause I'm really good at math, but yeah. the science part was hard. So, but again, never did like honors or AP there. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, you know what? It's basically what you said is this is my calling. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'll tough it out. I'll, I'll push through it. And mm-hmm. I actually love science now. So it's, Right. So it's interesting. I, um, yeah, it's definitely growing on me too. I don't know. I've never been a science or math person, but <laughs> it's kind of like because it has to grow on you. Because if you don't like it, then why are you here? <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's so, just yeah. I, yeah. I just the nutrition part is interesting with science, yeah. but you know, just right. Yeah. Yeah. I would now have never expected. Year. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, you no, no, now that you're in junior year, you're in. Um, you're in the part where you're going to get more into the nutrition classes and seeing mm-hmm. why you learned that science. So it, get, yeah. it becomes yeah. really fascinating. <laughs> When you take advanced metabolism or whatever your school calls it, um, yeah. you get to see why you learned all these biology and all this biochemistry and it, it starts to click really well. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, um, exactly. But you got to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everyone is always like, what? Like, why, Caitlin, why are you in biochem? Like, what is nutrition? Like, why do you need biochem? Why do you need organic chem? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not just like, I'm not just learning about food. <laughs> it's like a yeah. lot more complicated than that. But right and that's why it gets annoying when you get like comments on social media be like dietitians think so highly of themselves or you know you know dietitians think they know everything it's, it's such an easy major such an easy profession and like all right let's see you sit through these biochemistry yeah. classes like it's a lot more like people just think it's oh how you eat right because that's people like to right. simplify it but there's mm-hmm. there's a lot and a lot of what we learn as dietitian is for the clinical setting too which most people you know yeah wouldn't want to work in anyway so like as not a dietitian but um, so actually with that said, what is your goal with dietetics or like being a dietitian? Like, what do you want to do obviously after college, after the internship, all that? Um, well, ultimately I want to be a sports dietitian and I would like to be one at a college 
or maybe maybe in a professional setting if I'm you know really dream but um I definitely yeah. want to be one at a college and I want to like really make a difference at that college and focus like have athletes focus on nutrition and make the nutrition program actually you know a part of that school because there's so many programs like for example our diet dietitian is based out of um ascension saint vincent in indy so she's okay. not even here she's only here like one month out of the year and i just i don't know i ideally i want to like truly make an impact on athletes and not you know not be at a distance like i want to be hands-on like making re- making connections and like developing relationships with athletes and yeah that's big yeah i, I think at this point I'm pretty sure every power five school has at least one full-time dietitian, probably two. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the, um, a lot of the group of five schools are starting to get them. Um, mm-hmm. and a couple of FCS schools. So like it, it, it goes in stages. So like, yeah, like you guys have the one that kind of works through the other place, which in mm-hmm. a few years might become like a full-time consultant or, mm-hmm. you know, usually the next step is you hire one full-time that just does football yeah. and then like consults with the other sports and yeah. then you build it from there. Um, but yeah, you I mean, obviously have, seen you work a lot I've seen what you do it, everything you said that you want to do I know you can I know you, you can build a program you could you got and plus having the experience as a D1 athlete helps a lot because you can relate to them better um that was one of the struggles I had with working at the college level is you know I knew a lot about mm-hmm. sports like I could talk sports all day but I never yeah. was a D1 athlete so I couldn't fully relate so I had to learn a lot there but um no it's right. it's a fun career it's it's long because it's you know you get you go through all this, you're going to go through college, you're going to go through grad school, the internship, mm-hmm. and then it's almost like starting over again because you have to work yeah. as an intern or fellow at those levels um, and working up and working up. But it's you know, it's um, very rewarding. It's a mm-hmm. lot of fun, especially yeah. as like a former athlete, you get that team camaraderie. Like one of the mm-hmm. things with owning business, it's like, it's great, right? I work with athletes all over the world, mm-hmm. but I'm not part of a team, right? Their victories yeah. are kind of my victories, but at Duke and Georgia, like when we won, like we won, like I felt part of that, yeah. which is yeah. a great feeling. Um, so actually next question kind of related to that. Now, if you, I don't know if you have plans to go pro in softball or not, but let's say if you don't go pro, would mm-hmm. you still want to be involved in the game of softball as a career? Like in any way, like as a coach, maybe even dietitian for the softball team, like, um, it would be great if I could be a dietitian for the softball team. I think that would be so much fun. Um, I don't, I don't think I would go into the coaching route. Um, I absolutely love softball and everything, yeah. but I just, I just don't think, you know, I just don't think that's my calling. I just, I think I'm a player and then I'm okay until like, maybe if I have kids and they play softball, maybe then I'll be a coach, but nothing <laughs> too serious. Yeah. Would you, yeah. Would you coach your kids like little league softball? Yeah, I would. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe not Little League, maybe like travel ball when they're a little more advanced. Yeah. I, I'm not patient enough to do the Little League. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I wouldn't be able to, like, when I was in high school for community service for, um, what's it, NHS, I did, uh, yeah. I coached like seventh and eighth grade basketball because that's like the oldest level you could coach. And like, uh-huh. that was a little hard. I'm like, there's no way I could coach younger kids. And I just can't imagine playing at the highest level, like, as you are, then going coaching like five or six year olds, like, in T ball. Yeah. Like, I, yeah it'd, it'd be too hard like I know yeah. you have patience but that's that's a little bit much because it's yeah it's, but yeah but it's um no it's good to get involved like that and yeah it's mm-hmm. that's what's all I always see hard with athletes is it's so much of your life that you're at you're 22 and all of a sudden it's it's done and 
mm-hmm. with certain sports, you can kind of continue it, right? Like you could play Sunday league rec softball and you're going to obviously kill it there because <laughs> you're playing, playing against other, you know, adults that never played like at a high level, but you can, you, there's always like rec leagues you can do. The one thing I always found sad is the one sport I think is really football because mm-hmm. you're never going to put pads on again. Right. Yeah. Because it's, you can't, you're just not going to play tackle football. Like you might play tackle football in the park, but it's never going to be quite the same, but that's, yeah, that's a good thing is kind of, like you said, not identifying and making the sport your life, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, you know, you said you started at four years old. So by the time you stop playing, it's going to be 18 years of your life that mm-hmm. softball took up and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be big. So, but that's good that you have that plan set out for you. And that's yeah. good. Cause I think a lot of athletes, especially the young athletes are so focused on playing the sport in college. It, and a lot of them, I think, do realize they're not going to go pro. Like, chance going pro very, very slim. Yeah. And it's um, realizing there's more. That's why you got to realize there's more to life than your sport because one day you're going to graduate and it's the real world. Yeah, I, I would say the reason I'm content with not coaching or, you know, sticking to softball once I'm finally done is because I just, I look at softball as something that has definitely not softball hasn't shaped me into who I am, but obviously the memories and the people I've met, the lessons I've learned, you know, that's what shaped me into who I am. And I can always carry that with me. Um, even if I'm not necessarily playing the sport and, you know, it'll always be the memories I've made will always be a huge part of my family and I, our lives, and we'll always get to reflect on that. And, um, you know, I think that's enough <laughs> to take with me in the end. So. For sure. No, that's, that's good. It's a really, really positive message there. Um, cool. All right. So actually this was your idea to add into this. So some fun <laughs> rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. That's a lot. Yeah. So we're going to do that a little bit. Then I have, um, we're going to go through your pregame meal. So that's going to be, I think it's something we're going to do in every episode of the podcast because again, nutrition related. Um, yeah. and I think that's a big thing. So few rapid fire questions, uh, chocolate okay, or vanilla? Chocolate. All right. Morning or night person? Morning. Definitely. Morning. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like you have to be a morning person as an athlete, like especially in college? Uh, you kind of have to make yourself a morning person. Yeah. I just genuinely like them because I just get tired at night, but yeah, you kind of have too. to make yourself a morning person. Yeah. I've actually found that it's very, like two very common traits among dietitians are being morning people and being type A or at least mostly yes. type A personality. <laughs> yeah. uh, the type, type A makes sense because there's a lot of organization that mm-hmm. is required to become a dietitian just to mm-hmm. plan out all your courses and figure it out and then everything else like to make sense mm-hmm. um okay and then this one um so this one actually i can see varying a lot by sport but would you mm-hmm. rather play in the heat like 80 90 degrees or in the extreme cold like 30 or 40 i'm always gonna pick heat always <laughs> me too yeah. yeah um yeah i'm the same way i I hate the cold so much and it sucks because it's like 30 degrees outside right now. Oh yeah, um, I know. <laughs> but yeah, it's the cold, especially in certain sports. Like it, you can't, like in softball, you can't really bundle up while you're out mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. In the dugout yeah. you can, but you can't, you can't wear gloves on your hands. You have the one glove, but you can't wear a glove on your other hand. You can't really wear like, like you can't really wear a beanie, right? You can maybe cover your ears, but yeah yeah man and it stings like when you hit the ball it stings when you catch the ball it stings but 
it's it's rough and then it's also i mean you're not necessarily running around in softball like i feel like exactly. country athletes will probably be like oh cold every day but me no like we're just kind of standing out there and it gets really cold so well, well the hard part with running like cross country is you're once you're running yeah you don't want to be bundled up but for races yeah. and things like that you're standing around like when we did a turkey right. shot on thanksgiving True. it was 32 degrees and i had learned from last year i'm not wearing sweatpants i'm not wearing a sweatshirt because i was yeah. dying during the run so i was in shorts and a long sleeve shirt and we're standing around for 30 or 40 minutes before yeah. the race and i'm like so cold but i'm like this is going to be worth it once we start running yeah um, <laughs> so good but yeah it's yeah you're right it, the yeah standing around in the cold is terrible um mm-hmm. i remember I, I played catcher so i wasn't as bothered by the cold but i still hated it but i remember catching one time and it was like 90 degrees and i was just oh yeah sweat yeah but it's um yeah Cool. All right. So yeah, final question I have for you. Uh, I think mm-hmm. as a dietetics major, again, this can be very helpful for a lot of people. What is your go-to pregame meal? Okay. So I kind of have two answers because for home games, I have a different one than for away games. Of course. So yeah. due to just accessibility, you know, so at home, I'm probably going to go with, um, I really like to have a bag, a sweet and savory bagel. So like split in half and one half is avocado, one half is peanut butter with banana and then some eggs and some fruit. Um, we have, I have a long time like to digest and everything before my game. So we usually play at one o'clock and three o'clock. Um, so I'll eat breakfast and then we'll go to the field, warm up and we have a snack bin in the dugout. So we'll just like, you know, snack the whole time and then lunch will be between games. So I have a little bit of time so I can kind of get in a bigger meal before. So that's what I like to eat when I'm at home. And then during away games and like in a hotel, I'll eat um, the eggs, like as long as they're not too sus, you know, like hotel eggs. If they look okay, I'll eat them and then (laughs) with um, some either a pancake or waffle or pancakes or waffle with um, some peanut butter and syrup. And then just some fruit, whatever fruit they have there. And then coffee. I always have coffee. <laughs> always coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. How, how much coffee do you drink before a game? Like a, probably usually just a cup, maybe like another half cup, like refill. Okay. Nothing like crazy, but. Like shortly before a game or is it like several hours before? No, it's like with breakfast. So several hours, I would say okay, before. Okay, Yeah. Because cause, um, I always talk about caffeine and sports, right? Because obviously caffeine mm-hmm. gives you energy decrease mm-hmm. per- perceived exertion but timing tolerance and the amount is huge because mm-hmm. you know you don't want to have a lot of caffeine before sport like softball or baseball because you make it a little jittery so like your accuracy can be thrown off so like throwing from the outfield in, into the infield right you maybe throw accuracy off a little bit uh, when you're hitting you might throw you off a little, little bit precision but so when i say that you know people are but i see athletes drink call before a game all the time yeah, when I say don't drink caffeine before a game, I'm saying like don't chug a pre-workout or like an energy drink right before the game starts. As someone who drinks coffee every day, having a one to two cups of coffee several hours before a game, yeah, that's not going to make you jittery and that's not going to yeah. throw you off. So I just want to make that clear for everyone listening that like yeah. that is okay, but you're chugging like a 32 ounce coffee an hour before the game, <laughs> you might have some issues. So right, <laughs> well, no, that's a very, very, very helpful. Um, well, all right. Yeah. The, again, thank you for coming on. You gave a lot of valuable insight. I learned a lot. Sure. Everyone <laughs> listening is going to learn a lot as well. Is there okay. anything else that you want to add or any questions for me that you wanted to, to ask? I don't have any questions for you. Um, 
I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. And I hope if anyone, you know, can take something from this, it would just be, you know, focus on the bigger picture in life. Don't focus too much on um, how you feel like your sport defines you, um, you know, eat, eat for performance, not for looks. And um, yeah, I, that's, that's pretty much it. I had a really good time. <laughs> awesome. Again. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Get everyone. This is Kayla Matthews, a softball player at Ball State University. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Again, you can stream this on podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to watch the podcast, uh, you can also go to my YouTube channel. I'll provide all the information in the description. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Caitlin. Um, and stay tuned for the next episode.